everybody who's here. are searching right now to launch for our group uh, our groups to launch here this semester and we need more group leaders so if you have been thinking about being a group leader if you're a part of the team here at one chapel already and you've been thinking about it but you've hesitated you can still get your information in all right go to onechapel.com and put your put your group down so that we can have another group that meets in kyle we're gonna need it okay all right all right thank you so much for coming today i want you to do something um that is just uh, kind of customary as, as we do it. We're, we're gonna stop and we're gonna pause and we're gonna ask the Lord to, to, to speak to us while we open the scriptures. So if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. There's, a, there's actually Bibles out here in the hallway. But uh, I want you to use your Bibles when you come to church. It's a really important thing. You have message notes, but we want God to speak to us. If you, all you do is hear what I say, that's not good enough. There's gotta, be, there's gotta be God's voice speaking into your life. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth of it. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for, for your grace that is here. And as we open the scriptures, would you speak to us? Would you show us who you are? Would you, would you lead us down the path of obedience and your grace to be able to say yes? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so I want to know a couple of things just before I begin. How many people you came today because you saw a mailer in, in, at your house that came to you as a mailer? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Awesome. Fantastic. Let's thank God for the junk mail still works. It's so awesome. How about, how about, how about the um, people who didn't see a mailer but were just invited by a friend, all right? Just invited by a friend, all right? Yeah, yeah, awesome, we're so grateful. I'm not sure how junk mail and friend equals each other, but it's, uh, we're so glad that you actually came here and came to join us for worship this morning. Um, let me ask one more question. How many people are using uh, Spanish translation or the interpretation uh, radios that we offered out there? And who's, who's, who's using Spanish translation? Yep, we got a few. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Hola. <laughs> That's about all we get right today. So awesome. We are so grateful that you're all here. All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. It's uh, about a third of the way through the Old Testament. So if you start at the beginning of your Bible and you kind of go about a third of the way, it's in there somewhere. Um, you can certainly look in the table of contents, but we're going to start there and we're going to talk about this brilliant man uh, of faith. And so it's been exactly, this is the 24th of January, and it's been exactly one month since Christmas, right? Tomorrow will be kind of that one month anniversary. So what that means is the toys that you bought your kids are now broken. <laughs> or they're in a closet or they're lost somewhere. Right, like there's, they're, they're, you can't find them or they're just gone, they've stopped playing with them. And, and so the odds are that you're looking for them. And it's really interesting, if you think about our homes and how new things come into our homes, right? New, brand new shiny things, they come into our house and then somehow they go out of our house, house as garbage. 
You ever notice this? They come, they go out of our house as trash. And so reality is that your house and my house are just giant garbage processing centers. You have this stuff that comes in, it's all new and shiny, and then it makes its way to different places in the house. Like if you have couches, once the couches get old, where does it go? It goes to the room where the kids can just jump on them, right? Or, or, or if they just get old, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of buying kid couches. You know what kid couches are? We have five children, five kids. The oldest is 21, the youngest is nine. We're still working on our, our kid couches, which means they're cheap, <laughs> they, don't, they don't hold together very well, but our kids have beat the stuffing out of them. And the last thing I want is really nice couches for our kids to ruin. Well, so we actually just bought kid couches. And so but those kid couches are fixing to go to a different place now. And they're fixing to go to the garage, actually. And so the garage, once the couch gets out to the garage, you know what that means? It's just garbage waiting to be taken out. <laughs> You might want to think that you want to keep it because you might use it later, but it just sits in your garage. And this idea is really true throughout the entire earth. Like things are decaying. Things are just decaying. They're, they're kind of being destroyed. Our, our bodies, you know, they get old, right? What, what used to be here is now kind of more here. And there's a, there's a process that goes on like, like with our bodies kind of decaying and, and kind of little by little being destroyed. And you see that all over the world. But here's the thing I want you to think about. Think about this. God never makes stuff that, that is automatically destroyed. When God created the universe, when he created the earth, it is renewable. I don't know if you realize this, it renews itself. It renews itself over and over and over and over again. People have been talking about the end of the world for a very long time, and yet it continues. It continues to renew itself. And this is, this is because God himself makes things new. God, his creation, he makes everything new. I mean, I don't know if you realize, I mean, you look at the Roman Colosseum, it's decayed, it's been destroyed, you know, it's been broken down. You ever seen Stonehenge? You know what Stonehenge is? It's that really cool rock formation, but it's just, it's kind of lasted for all these centuries, but it's just a rock formation when nobody knows really what it was or what, what the deal is. I mean, have you seen the Astrodome? Astrodome is now torn down, but it became the Astrodome, and it was really a junky, horrible place. It was terrible. It just started decaying, and we tear down these buildings. Everything man-made in the world is becoming trash, but God makes things new. Whatever is devastated, he rebuilds. Whatever is broken, he restores. Whatever, whatever is torn down, he makes it new. And so this morning, we're starting this new series on the book of Nehemiah, and we're calling it Renew, Rebuild, and Restore. And so the idea is that there is this God who, is, <clears throat> who, who does this, and he, he renews and restores and rebuilds people's lives. And so our key verse uh, for this series is Philippians 1.6, and I'm just going to read it to you. I think it's in your message notes. You can look there. It says, for I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work, everybody say good work. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, that's God's promise for you and me. God is working in your life, and what he started, what he starts, he'll finish. 
What he starts, he'll complete. He's a finisher. He's, a, he's not just a starter. He actually finishes things. He completes things. He never tires. He never sleeps. He never stops working. Imagine if you and I could do that. Like we just never had to stop and recharge, but we do. See, we, got, we, have, we have these bodies that need recharging. We have these souls that we believe will last forever. Our bodies break down, but God wants to renew you and he wants to restore what's on the inside of you. Even in the midst of this journey, he wants to make you new again. He wants to help you understand how he works. And so God wants this renewal and restoration process not only to be in our lives, but he wants to ex- it to extend through our lives to other people, to our community. One of the reasons we started One Chapel Kyle is because we believe this, that he wants to work through his people who know him, who know how he works, and he wants us to help other people. He wants us to be a blessing to others. He wants us to help participate, to collaborate in the process of creating new things, to renew our community, to rebuild our community, to rebuild lives and restore people. And so God invites us, he invites every one of us into his work. He invites us into his work and helps us to accomplish incredible things. We are partners with him. And listen, make no mistake, One Chapel Kyle is not the only place where this is happening. We came to One Chapel Kyle, not because there weren't other churches that are, are are available for us to go to and there are some good churches in the Kyle Buda area I know the past many of the pastors personally it is a good thing that God is doing through people's lives but there's not enough of them did you know in the Austin region the number of churches per 10,000 right so the amount of churches per 10,000 people is 4.7 the the national average is 12 12 churches per 10,000 for the nation, but in Austin, in the region, it is much lower. We need more people cooperating, collaborating, and we're gonna be partners with these other churches in this community. We're not the only voice, we're adding our voice to what God is doing. Look at Isaiah 58, it's in your message notes right there. Isaiah 58, 12, it says, uh, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate. Make the community, inv- make the community livable again. This is a great little passage. That's what we're involved in here. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna look at how God works in our lives by going through the book of Nehemiah. Now, how many people have ever studied the book of Nehemiah? Anybody? Three, all right, awesome. <laughs> That's a good thing. That, that's why we're doing this. And so this is, this is a really amazing book. And it talks about, here's the book of Nehemiah. It talks about how dreams become reality. It talks about stepping into the vision of what God has given us. It's got incredible leadership principles. It's the story of restoration and healing. It's about teamwork. It's about accomplishment. It's about accelerating achievements that God wants to do in our lives. And so the basic story of the book of Nehemiah, right, is actually a historical account. It's a history book of how God used one man to bring hope and restoration to a disillusioned people. He brought hope and restoration to a disillusioned people by helping them rebuild the walls of their city, the city of Jerusalem. 
And he sent one man there to begin this. This this city was destroyed decades earlier. And God sends Nehemiah to begin the journey. And it's in this wall-building process that we see a beautiful picture of the way God restores us. If you'll turn to your Bible now and just read that Nehemiah, we'll, we'll read that together. Here it is. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, which is a modern-day translation. And it says, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hekaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Look what he says next. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and the decrees and the regulations that you gave us through your servant, Moses. Please remember what you told your servant, Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, everybody say return to me. Return to me. If you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the end of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Here's what God is desiring to do. He wants to bring us back to his purpose, his desire the newness of life that he wants us to have. He wants to draw us back to his original design for our lives. He wants to help us. And listen, the truth is, most of us are a mess. There's a few perfect people, but they're not very fun to be around. (laughs) We're, we're, We're a mess. People's lives are a mess. We don't want other people to see it often. We just try to kind of create a shield around us. We don't want other people to come and and see what's really going on in our lives. But God wants to do something new in us. He wants us he wants us to be open to it. He doesn't want us to be all alone. You know, many times we just we're out there alone. We're alone, we're we're trying to make it on our own, we're trying to do things by ourselves. And really, this is really true, we have become a do-it-yourself culture, haven't we? A do-it-yourself culture, and it's become a cultural phenomenon. When you go to any bookstore, right, you can go to any bookstore and you can find brilliant self-help books. I don't know if you realize this, but YouTube is an incredible self-help machine. You can learn how to do anything on YouTube. There's videos of everything. You can go see how something's made. I mean, you can go uh, make sure that your yard stands out in your neighborhood. You can learn how to unplug your sink, how to replace a toilet, how to put a new engine in your car, how to flip a house, how to improve your personality. Some of you really need that. How to exercise, how to get rich quick, and how to have the best sex of your life, just to name a few. The problem, however, is that most of these self-help books, they promise too much and deliver too little. 
I don't know, you've probably heard stories of people who've tried to do things on their own. I have a little video for you here of people who are trying to do things on their own. DIY fails. Come on, check it out. Look at this. Look at this. Go ahead and play that. It's a mess when we do things on our own. It's a mess when we try to fix everything on our own. I, now, I don't really subscribe to this whole self-help thing. I mean, I, around my house, I kind of have a, a theme, a, a motto, if you will, and it's no job is too small to be outsourced. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to do that much on my own. And here's the thing, we're not really wired to do things on our own. We're not wired to fix everything on our own. And so it's important that you understand as we look at the book of Nehemiah that it is not a self-help book. In fact, the Bible itself is not a self-help manual. Sometimes we look in it and we try to figure out what it is. You know, we're trying to fix our lives and we just kind of read it as a self-help manual. It's not a self-help manual. It's a story. It's a story of God interacting with his people over a long history and so it's a, it's a story about how he invites us into his story. So many of us think that our life is about us and it's just we're the center of everything. God wants us to understand he's been working for a long time. He's been renewing people and restoring people for a long time. This is what he does. And the Bible doesn't just list three steps to prosperity or four keys to, you know, success in your life or five principles of power, all right? We got all this stuff that we kind of want to get from it. We need to read it. We read it every day and we read the story and we begin to see ourselves as part of the story. As we read the book of Nehemiah, I want you to, I want you to look for three things. Here's three things we're going to look for, all right? Number one, it's more about the helper 
It's more about God the helper than it is about any help you could give yourself. It's more about God and his role as a helper in your life and how he helps rebuild and restore and renew. Number two, it's about how, do we, how to deal with the damage that's been done in our lives. So much damage, so many things that are so broken in our lives that keep us from realizing and experiencing the fullness that God wants for our lives. Number three, it's about discovering the possibilities of what God, God might want to do with us. The possibilities of what he might want to do And so as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to welcome a new dimension of help into your life. A new dimension of help into your life. You've been out there on your own trying to do things on your own, throwing up a prayer here and there when things get really bad. But he wants to walk with you and he wants to walk beside you and God wants to walk with you to help you. You're not on your own, you have help. Hear this. If you don't hear anything that I say, anything else that I say today, hear this phrase. You are not alone. You are not alone. He's working behind the scenes. He's trying to renew and restore and rebuild in your life. That's what he does. And this help comes from a person, the person called the helper. It's called, he's called that in the Bible. I want to draw your attention to your message notes, John 14, 16 through 17. He says, and I, this is Jesus talking, and he's praying to his heavenly father. All right, so Jesus is praying to his father. He says, and I will pray to the father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Oh, there's a helper. Say helper. helper. Helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. When we come to God, his desire is to live with us and in us. He's for us and not against us. He's a helper. He's not just He's not just the judge, although he is the judge. He's not just the merciful Savior, although he is the merciful Savior. He's also the helper. If we think about it, here's how God works. And he was always a relational being. Here's what we believe. Here's what Orthodox Christians believe in the Trinity The Father, the Son, Jesus Christ himself, and the Holy Spirit. And what this passage is saying is that the Holy Spirit is the one who lives here. He's the one who lives with you. If we read the scriptures, what you find is that Jesus himself came into the world, and he was here as an illustration, as an image bearer of who God is is and he did miracles and he took care of people and he blessed them you know why he did that because he wanted us to see who God is what he's like and then he wants us to act in that same way to be image bearers to to walk with him to be the people who act like him who bless people who serve people who take care of people who renew and rebuild and restore This is who we're called to be. And the way we do that is we have a helper. We're not doing it alone. We're not doing it our own strength. The Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in our lives. It's God living in us. 
Jesus himself is at the right hand of the Father, and the Father is looking down upon the earth, and there is something that he's doing, and we're trying to cooperate with us. Here in the book of Nehemiah, as we read it over the next several weeks, it's a picture. Now listen to this. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah himself is a picture of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives to rebuild, to restore, to restore our dreams, to restore our relationships, to restore our destiny, and in addition to bring us hope. I think as we go through this series, what I want you to do is understand there's a perspective of both yourself and the work that God is doing in your life. It'll be broadened. It'll be deepened. You'll see that not only is God helping you, but he's also helping others through you. So my, my hope and prayer as we go through this series, you'll discover these three things. All right? This is kind of our end here today. Number one, I want you to discover the you that God had in mind from the beginning. I want you to discover the you that God had in mind from the beginning. No matter how broken your life is now, no matter what's happened in your life, discover that he had a different plan. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Here's what he said to Jeremiah. He said, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God has holy plans for you and me. He said I, I, to Jeremiah, he said, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. Number two, I want you to th discover this about, about your life. Number two, surrender the you that is being restored by God's healing grace. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter where you've ended up, no matter how disappointed you might be with where you are right now, no matter what's happening in your life, I want you to discover the you that God is trying to make you into, that he's restoring you even now. He's not, he's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to let him help you. So let him help you. Discover that he's ready to be the helper because along the way you've been taunted and you've been tainted by all the testing, all the trauma of your life. But now God's helping you. Being He's, he's He's renovating you. He's rebuilding and restoring you. Here's what Revelation 3.17 says. He says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Here's the problem with some of us here today, and a problem in our society in general, is that we don't realize how poor and wretched and blind we are. Because we live in a prosperous culture and because we have all that we need and because we, we're just surrounded by all of these things that we can just gravitate to and be distracted by, things that we medicate our lives with. And as we do that, we forget, we don't realize how poor we are. We have to acknowledge Surrender to God, no matter how wealthy, no matter how well off, no matter how many things, no matter how many toys we acquire, that we need to be restored by God's healing grace. Number three, I want you to become the you that is ready to partner with the helper. See, the helper wants to collaborate with you to help other people. And he doesn't ask you to do it on your own. He comes and shows you how to help people. The wounded, the sick, the ones that are suffering and struggling 
in a devastated community and in our culture. Look, here's what another prophet of the Old Testament, here's what God said to him. He said, on the day I scrub you clean from all your filthy living, I'll make your cities livable. The ruins will be rebuilt. The neglected land will be worked again. No longer overgrown with weeds and thistles, worthless in the eyes of the passerby. People will exclaim, why this weed patch has been turned into a garden of Eden. You know what? I think Kyle and Buda are on their way to being turned into a place where God dwells. I really believe this. This is one of the fastest growing zip codes within Texas and the nation. And do you don't think God has a purpose for that? You don't think he has a plan for that? He has a desire for that. And we're, that's why one chapel here. That's why churches of all stripes and styles are being planted here in this community. It is such a good thing. Look what he says here. He says, and the ruined cities smashed into oblivion are now thriving. The nations around you that are still in existence will realize that I, God, rebuild ruins and replant empty waste spaces. I, God, said so and I'll do it. God will do it. Look at this great quote from Jack Hayford, really beloved pastor in American culture over the last century. He says, when you discover your creator is the Lord of all human history, it's not hard to believe he can overrule your past and beget a different future. God wants to give you a new future right here, right now. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to pray. And I want you to let God speak to you in this moment. I want you to let him speak to you in this moment. And, and no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, some of you are really, you're, you're here because you're like, I want to I follow God. I want to I get him into my life again. And you're here as an attempt to do that. But see, it's more than just coming to this church service. There's something more he wants to do. He wants to start something in your heart. He wants to renew your hope, restore your life. He wants to rebuild what has been broken in your past. Some of you are really struggling. You're here out of desperation. You're just kind of on your last, your last hope. Can I assure you that God is here? He is ready. He is prepared to speak to you, to draw you, to lead you, to guide you to work with you. He's always working. He's been working the whole time behind the scenes, even when you couldn't see him. And he's here to say that to you. Some of you are, <laughs> you're actually doing fine. Everything's fine in your life. You feel like you kind of got the world by the tail. Everything's good. Got a nice house, got, got, got a nice job. I wonder if you'd be willing today to listen to the voice of God speaking into your life and saying, please don't, please don't try to build on your own. Don't try to do it by yourself. Would you allow him to come and help you, to give you the proper perspective, to give you the right view of your own heart? So whether you're hurting or whether you just feel like you're living high, could we all come to the foot of the cross today and give our lives to him? Now, 
I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call you forward, okay? But with your eyes closed, right, just, just between you and God, there's no way that I can know what's going on in your heart. I want to ask you to respond to the message. You need a restorer. <laughs> you need a helper. And you want to say yes to him today. You need Jesus to come into your life and you need him to come and give you hope again. I wonder if you'd allow him to do that right here, right now. Whether it's the first time you've come to Christ or the, maybe the first time in a long time. I just want you to respond to him. Say, Pastor, please pray for me. and Just shoot your hand up in the air right now right now. Just say, yep, that's me. You describe me. I need to be rebuilt. I need to be restored. Yep, I see you way up in the back. Anybody else? Who else? Who else says, yes, this is me? Right down here. All over the place. Yeah, just don't be shy. Don't be afraid. This is your moment. This is your moment for God to, to come into your life in a new way. Anybody else? Who else will just say, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. First time or the first time in a long time. Doesn't matter. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Oh, I'm a Christian. People know I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes a mess. This is your moment to say, yeah, God, come and help me clean up. Yeah. All right. Put your hands back down. Come on. Let's pray this prayer together. I don't want you to um, think that it's the words that really make the difference. What makes the difference is your heart, what your heart is saying. But I want you to speak these words with me. Right, all over the room, I, wanna, I want you to repeat after me. Let's just say these words. Everybody in the room, let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, say it again. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who shows us the way. He gave his life for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your mercy, for your truth. Forgive me, Lord for doing my own thing, for insisting on my own way, for living alone. I need a helper. <laughs> I need your help. Come and fill my life. Give me a fresh start. Today, I'll follow you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Jesus name Lord I pray for every person who's prayed that prayer right now that there'd be like this flood that would come over them you just wash over them and let them know that you are with them you are for them you're working with them you're not distant but you're close you're near you're so good at helping you're so good at fixing you're so good at restoring you're so good at rebuilding Lord do that in our lives we pray, we receive it now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're gonna continue with a final song and during that final song, I want you to, um, I want you to receive communion. I want you to come to the Lord's table and you've got a little communion in your cup that's sitting right near you to the side of you. Can you hand me one of those, Grace? Just hand me one. There's a little communion element here and we're gonna take moment. And, and the reason we do this is because 
Holy Communion is about Jesus and what he did. He gave his life on a cross. He died, took our sins upon himself, all our failures, all our mistakes, all the foolish things we've ever done. He took them upon himself and he became the sacrifice for our sin. He took our place. They laid him in a tomb and three days later, you know what happened? He was raised to life, resurrection power. And he became the first one to experience resurrection life and power. And that's what you and I are experiencing right here, right now, resurrection life and power. Something that was dead is now alive. What was old is now made new. That's what's happening. And so we come to this table and we remember what Jesus did. And the the little wafer on the top, it represents the body of Jesus, the broken body. As you peel back the second layer, it reveals the cup. And that represents the blood of Jesus that forgives us from all sin. And so I'm going to let you do it on your own right here while we worship. You take away that first layer, it'll reveal that little wafer represents Christ's body. And then the second layer with, with the cup. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to receive his provision for your life. It's the last act of worship we'll do today. And so, Father, as we come to you, we just ask you to speak to us now. Jesus, we look to you and we allow you to to move forward in our lives. We allow you to restore and renew. We allow you to have your way as we come to this table and we receive your provision for the newness of life in Jesus' name. Now, listen, we practice what's called open communion at One Chapel. That means if you love him, you want to serve Jesus, we want you to participate with us. If you're uncomfortable for any reason, you don't have to participate, all right? Just continue to worship with us as the band begins to play.